Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, world. Welcome once again to Tuesday Talk with Key West Lou. I am your host, Louis Patron. Every week I start by saying, wow, what a week. It's been another wild, crazy week. And I say, it's all Trump's fault that it's wild and crazy. I could say that again this week, and I do say it. There's so many things happening in this world uh, that he is starting, initiating, pushing along, etc. I continue to say, and I say it without any personal embarrassment, and I believe this honestly, the man is evil, the man is bad. I don't think he's all there mentally. He's probably a schizophrenic. Uh, He's going to lead us into a war or an economic depression. I know the market's the highest it's ever been, but let me remind you of something. In 1929, two months before the Great Depression, the market was the highest it had ever been. Yet two months later, it plummeted, okay? People were jumping off rooftops out of windows. They lost their fortunes. And in this particular great situation we have where uh, the market's the highest ever bit it's ever been, and it is, it's the rich who are, are making the money. It's not the ordinary person. I could say the middle class uh, is not also, but we don't have a middle class anymore. You're either poor or you're rich. And if you're rich, you're filthy rich. And it's the rich who are benefiting, not the rest of the United States. And the rich make up a small percentage, but they're the ones who are eating. And the greater percentage are not eating, as I put it. They're not at the table sharing in that economic success. Be that all as it may. I thought we were going to have a recession this past year, and last year I predicted it. I mean, look at the problems we're having. Uh, We are... uh, the, the, just the trade wars alone, the tariff wars that, that Trump's been responsible for. Our farmers are suffering in the Midwest. Uh, they're into their second year. Their biggest source of business was China. They can't do business with China. China can't do business with us because the tariffs are too high, 25 35%. Who the hell can afford to do business? Farmers are going bankrupt. They can't sell their produce, their product. Uh, bankers are foreclosing. Bankers have no heart. They're foreclosing on these farms. And then you have manufacturing. What have you been hearing the past several months? Now we're getting into a manufacturing recession. Trump was going to bring back all those factories, you know, that went to Europe and every place else. He was going to bring them to back to the United States, and he was going to create jobs, new jobs with them in the United States. Where are they? More and more of our plants are closing and people are out of work. So the inevitable will occur. It must occur. Uh, there's going to be something bad's going to happen. We're going to have a recession. I hope before any of this happens, he's impeached. He's absolutely impeached. Tomorrow happens to be one of the most important days in the history of the United States. It's the public beginning of the impeachment inquiry, the public beginning of the impeachment inquiry. Uh, Watch it on TV. Read. Listen. Uh, It's very important to you and me, whether you like Trump or don't like Trump. uh, Watch. Be open to what is happening in this country. Listen to the people who will be testifying. Listen to who they are. If you believe them and, maybe, and you're for Trump, then maybe you got to just start changing your mind. Uh, again, we're in a bad way. It's coming. I don't know when. It's got, it's got to come soon. I hope Trump is impeached. I don't think we can wait. 
I don't think we can wait till next year for the next election. Uh, look at the damage this guy's done in three years. We're going to not even three years. We're going to give him another year. Can't afford it. And so, my friends, tonight we're going to go to Washington, uh, the Ukraine, to Flanders Field in Belgium, uh, to Ellis Island, to Harvard, to Cape Cod, to New York City, and to Australia. Let's start with John Bolton. John Bolton, we all know who John Bolton is. He's National Security Advisor recently under uh, Trump till they had it falling apart. Uh, he's been around Washington for years. I have never, I have neither respected nor liked John Bolton over the course of the years. He's a warmonger. Uh, he's a straight arrow. He's by the book. His, 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 he doesn't bend. This man is hard-ass. That's all. And if you don't do things his way or the way he wants, we've got to go to war. And if you do something wrong and you're in another country, we've got to go to war. Well, who the hell wants to go to war? None of us want wars. Uh, so I've never really had respect for him. I do now, though. He and Trump have had a falling apart. And he has said that he's not going to take this lying down, having been fired, and he's going to tell people what, what's going on. Now, he can say he's going to tell people what's going on, but he's got to tell them what's going on. He can't sit on his ass and not tell people. Now, last week in New York City, he spoke before a small group of financial people in New York City, and it was supposed to be an off-the-record meeting. But you know how these off-the-record meetings are. Anything you say is going to get out. It took five days for his comments to get out, but they finally got out. And what does he say? One, the biggest thing that came out of this meeting, okay, that we're going to find out that Trump had personal interest, quote-unquote, personal interest in the U.K., intimating, meaning that Trump somehow was in financial arrangements, so he was making money in Ukraine, and that was part of the reason why he was doing what he did and withholding the money, besides the one that we all know. Uh, now, that's what he says. Now, why doesn't he come out and testify? He was subpoenaed, but he said, no, I'm going to wait and let the court tell me whether I should or not because the president, I was one of the ones he told not to honor the subpoena. Uh, what he wants to do, from what I understand, and I could be wrong, but from what I understand, uh, he wants to hold out to the election next year. And he wants to publish a book at that time, which will be a bestseller, obviously, telling everything bad about Donald Trump. Uh, why wait that long? Uh, Trump is on the hot seat for the next couple of months here, okay? Uh, you're going to have the impeachment inquiry passed upon favorably, positively, against Donald Trump uh, in the next couple of months. The Senate may not convict him unless it's very, very bad, and some of these Republican senators say, no, I can't stand by Trump any further. Uh, I have to stand by the people who elected me. Uh, but he shouldn't wait. They, 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 they seem to be developing a, a strong case against him for impeachment now. Give it the book now. Get that book out now. If that's your interest, the economic one, get the goddamn thing published now, okay? Uh, let it have its impact. The impact will be the same whether it's now or a year from now. Get it out there now. 
put everything into this impeachment uh, action, this impeachment activity. We've got to get our country back. And maybe I still don't like John Bolton. I like him because now he's anti-Trump. His reasons I don't like if it's all for money, then he's, what he's doing now isn't right. But whether, even if it is all for money, he should come out now and tell anything he knows about the Ukraine situation or anything else, and don't wait a year. The bucks he will make on the book will be the same now as it will be a year from now. Yesterday, yesterday was Veterans Day in the United States. In England, it's called the Day of Remembrance. In fact, in most of the world, it's called the Day of Remembrance. It's the day when we remember our war dead, those who died in the defense of our country, except in the United States. Day of Remembrance in the whole world is to remember the war dead. In Veterans Day, we are honoring all who fought for their country. And we have another holiday for the war dead, which is Memorial Day, which is what, in May of each year. Now, let me talk about the Brits, the English people. They took an exceptional beating in World War I. They were hurt so badly by the war that they lost a whole generation of young men. Yes, the Brits lost a whole generation of young men. One of its, the greatest battles of World War I occurred in Belgium. Uh, and it was memorialized by the Canadian surgeon and soldier John McRae. Do you recall these words? And I quote, in Flanders Field, the poppies blow between the crosses row on row. In Flanders Field, the poppies blow between the crosses row on row. Flanders Field, by the way, is in Belgium. Uh, in 1921, England decided that... Uh, there should be a day of remembrance, uh, and so Remembrance Day came, which they celebrated yesterday as we celebrated our Veterans Day. They also came up with something else, the Brits. They came up with a poppy flower. It's, a, it's the size of a poppy flower. It's red. Uh, it's made of paper. And every Veterans Day, these things are sold or given out in England, and people wear them again, in honor of their war dead over there. Uh, and why the red poppy, the red poppy flower? Well, the reason is uh, the, the, the battle in, on Flanders Field in Belgium was a trench battle, and between the trenches were fields and fields and acres and acres of red poppies. They were growing there naturally, wildly. Uh, so because the battlefield was covered with red poppies, we now have the paper poppies today, uh, which have come to represent England's Day of Remembrance and eventually every country's Day of Remembrance. Now let me talk briefly about poppies. Poppies are a, a, a flowing plant. They grow in different colors. One species is the red one I've been discussing. Uh, it's famous not only for its war recollections, but it's also a reminder of the opium plant. The red poppy is a powerful alkaloid, some morphine producing. It has been used since ancient times as an analgesic, a medical narcotic, and recreational drug. It's a drug, my friends, and from the poppy seed eventually comes the heroin, which is destroying uh, many of our people on the streets of the United States today. And I say, better that you wear the man-made poppy on Veterans Day and Remembrance Day than ingest 
than in just in some fashion the narcotic-based one. Now, I want to stay with England and wars. Uh, Very traditional country, conservative, old school, England, old school. Uh, I noted yesterday, as I was reading about Remembrance Day in England, and more than in Flanders Field and the poppy seed, I saw this quote, and I'm going to read it to you. And when you listen to the words, imagine it is the war dead who are speaking, the war dead. And it goes this way, quote, when you go home, tell them of us and say for your tomorrow we give our today. When you go home, tell them of us. These are the guys who were buried. They're telling the guys who survived the battle. When you go home, tell them of us and say for your tomorrow we gave our today. Touching words. Written by John Maxwell Edmonds. Now, this has nothing to do with World War One. This is part of World War Two, which is what I found interesting. I did not know. Uh, it, it occurred as John Ma- Maxwell Edmonds wrote uh, a, sp- a poem involving those words. Uh, as a result of the Battle of Impal, I-M-P-H-A-L, during World War II, it was a major conflict, a major battle in Burma involving the English and the Japanese. Okay, it was part of the Burma Campaign, 1944, which the Brits won. Unfortunately, 12,000 British soldiers were killed, 54,000 were wounded, as a result of which John Maxwell Edmonds wrote these touching, boy, these hit-home words, when you go home, tell them of us, and say for your tomorrow, we gave our today. All right, now that brings me to Nancy Haley. Nikki Haley, right? Nikki Haley, beautiful woman, governor of what's one of the southern states, uh, ambassador to the United Nations, uh, part of the Trump cabinet. She resigned several months ago. I've never liked this woman. She's a beautiful woman. She's a Native American, by the way, too. Gorgeous woman. Very smart. You can tell every time she opens her mouth she's an intelligent woman. But I always felt she was a conniver. I just couldn't put my finger on it. And she's bothered me since she came into prominence. Uh, I've, I've had the feeling this woman is not a straight arrow. She's more of an opportunist, uh, more of a person who would do, it appeared to me at least, most anything to get ahead politically. I would describe Nikki Haley as, and follow these words, she is Donald Trump in a skirt. She is Donald Trump in a skirt. Now, she's just written a new book. And in the book, you've heard about the last few days. I'm not going to go into the whole background. She takes major shots at John Kelly and Rex Tillerson uh, when they were in the cabinet and chief of staff. Uh, Tillerson was secretary of state. Kelly was uh, Trump's chief of staff. And she was ambassador to the U.N. Uh, She refers to a time when Kelly and Tillerson came to her. Uh, They were seeking her help for, as she said, and I quote, a very dangerous thing, which goes against the Constitution, goes against what the American people want, offensive. And what was it all about? Kelly and Tillerson thought that Trump was off his rocker. 
and his decisions that he was making were dangerous to the country, and they wanted her support to control what he was doing. These two guys were trying to influence his judgment. And when Trump said, we're going to do this, and they didn't think it was right, they pushed not to have it done and sometimes did not do it behind his back. They thought they were protecting and preserving our democracy. Uh, but she, she, my God, she comes out and says that was dangerous. That went against the Constitution, against what the American people want. It was offensive. Such is her view. Uh, and it's the same view as all, all those who blindly uh, followed Trump from the far right. Uh, all Kelly and Tillerson were doing again was coming to her and recruiting her assistance, her help to keep Trump from doing anything that would endanger the country. Uh, and she didn't like it. But she didn't say much about it. She didn't say anything about it till now, okay? And I think Haley's position with what I just described, as reflected in the book, is terrifying, rabble-rousing, poison-spreading. Enough for Nikki Haley. You're going to hear a lot more about her. She wants to be president of the United States. I think she's got her eyes on 2024. I, I fear she would not be a good president. Uh, she, she, she speaks well. She looks well. Uh, but I would worry about her. I want to talk about an immigration problem that I have to believe most, if not all of you, are aware of. Uh, it's an internal immigration problem in the United States, and it's a serious one. Uh, you know, we, naturally, when we talk about immigration problems, we're talking about people from one country crossing a border into another country for whatever reason. Uh, and, you know, like the, the those from some Central American countries in Mexico want to cross the southern border into the United States. Well, here's what's happening. And it's happening, my friends, in Boise, Idaho, and California. It is an immigration problem between Boise and the surrounding Boise area in Idaho and California. Californians are moving to Boise and other parts of Idaho. Uh and this move is a very serious one because the P Boise is a regular American city. Not everyone's affluent, but the people who are moving from California to Boise have big dollars, okay? And they're coming in large numbers. Uh, it's not a bad way of life in Boise. Uh, houses are cheaper to, for them than California, though because they have come in such large numbers, in the last less than two years, the cost of buying a house in Boise has increased by 19.3%. Yes. Since February 2018, the cost of buying a home in Boise has increased by 19.3%. That's 20%. My God. In less than two years. And the rents, as we have experienced in Key West also, uh, go along with the cost of real estate. They have gone sky high. And what's happened is the purchase of a home or the rental of a home are beyond the means of the people of Boise. That's simple. Californians can afford it. The Boise people can't. Now, the California people also, they're different from the, the Idaho people. And it's said that they bring with them, and I quote, an attitude. Sort of, we are better than you. And this attitude's not appreciated by the people of Boise. This gets better. Stay with me. 70% of the Boise people believe 
that at the present time, Boise is growing too fast because of the California invasion. Boise's recent mayoral election clearly reflects this attitude. Follow me on the next three things I'm going to share with you. One mayoral candidate ran on, and I quote, go back to California. That, 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 that was his theme in the race. <laughs> he was saying, go back to California. Another accused the California immigrants as, and I quote, trashing Boise. And the best one, I thought, was the candidate who, when asked what he would do if he were king for a day, he was asked by a reporter what he would do if he were king for a day. His answer, and I quote, build a $26 million wall. You got it? Build a $26 million wall. That's how bad it is there, and it's developing. Would you believe? Okay, we're going to move on now to London. United States burger chains. All of them, McDonald's, Burger King, most of them, we're going to all of them, have recently come out with a vegetarian burger. No meat. All claim the burgers taste like meat. I tried three different ones, and i got to tell you, they did. They look like meat, they smell like meat, they taste like meat. It's the same thing. Now, a London eatery has gone one step further. You're going to love this. It's serving worms. Burgers, W-O-R-M, worm burgers, referred to not as Big Macs, rather Bog Macs, Bog Macs. I kid you not, this is what's happening. Made from live worms, purported to be tastier than beef burgers. Also, it's claimed that the worm burgers will help save our planet. Why? Because worms only require to grow, develop 10% of the land space that beef herds do, so we're not using up as much land. And they will produce far less carbon dioxide because we all know cows fart. Beef herds fart, and when they do, that's carbon dioxide they are contributing to the atmosphere. A London chef who's involved with these worm burgers says, and I quote, let them crawl into your menu once, and you'll be hooked. Once you get past the yuck effect, you'll find they actually taste really good. Eh, you tried them. And guess what? They're going to have a side dish. And guess what the side dish is going to be? Crickets. They're going to cook crickets and serve them as a side dish, the fries to go with the worm burgers. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe someday we're going to have to eat like food like this, beyond my lifetime, of course, because the more people there are, the less food we're going to have, and we're going to have to explore other means of getting food. Okay. I'm a child of an immigrant. My mother was born in Italy. My grandparents on both sides were born in Italy. In fact, my whole family's Italian American. They all came from Italy and were all descendants of them. Now, those who immigrated, my people, primarily the Italian people I'm referring to now, came through Ellis Island. On this day in 1954, Ellis Island was closed. It was known as the famous, quote, gateway to America. It was no more in, as of 1950 more. Prior to that time, 12 million people had been processed as immigrants before the need for Ellis Island ended. There was a bit of discrimination involved in the immigration process. Yes, discrimination based on money. Only third-class passengers, there were three classes of passengers, first, second, and third, and 
first was the most expensive. Second was still expensive, but not as, it's like business class compared to uh, first class on a plane. And third class was for the peasants, uh, cheap tickets, and they, they were in the bottom of the ship. Nothing was that great. Only third class passengers were required to go through Ellis Island, okay? The poor, those who acquired passage by buying the cheapest tickets. Uh, many were sickly and perhaps criminal. Now, you know, Trump says there are these people trying to come into our country on the southern border. They, they, they carry disease with them. They're criminals. Well, that's the way they looked at my people when they were coming over years ago. Uh, so, Ellis Island was specifically open to search for those who might be a risk to be accepted into the United States. The government did not want such persons, sickly and perhaps criminal, to become U.S. burdens. My grandfather, Lewis, who I love dearly, you have no idea, my grandfather, Lewis, came through Ellis Island, 12 years old, no family. He was a bastard. He never knew who his mother and father were. He had bugs in his hair, and either he, came, he had diphtheria or scarlet fever. I don't recall what diphtheria or scarlet fever. Ellis Island was equipped with hospitals. My grandfather was kept in one for three months, cared for, cured, released, and admitted to the United States. Um, for purposes of information, the first person to go through Ellis Island was a 15-year-old girl from Ireland, Annie Moore. First and second class passengers were treated better. Money apparently uh, meant they were without illness or a criminal record. Uh, what they had to go through, and they never saw Ellis Island. They were submitted to a brief onboard inspection, following which they disembarked in New York City or New Jersey, and through, at which point they passed through customs with no difficulty. No Ellis Island for them. Uh, now, uh, for a little Key West, for a little Key West, uh, no, I don't want to do a little. I only got three minutes here. I got to watch what I do here. Oh, I know what I'm going to talk to you about. This is wild. I'm going to have to talk quickly, but I, I got to share it with you because I don't believe it and I don't approve of it. Uh, okay. It's 60 years since I was in college. I'm 84. You can understand things have changed some dramatically. Harvard is considered one of the finest, if not the finest universities in the United States. Harvard had a one week on campus workshop, the likes I never saw in my college days, Harvard sex workshops. Most of the agenda items, I'm laughing, I never experienced in my college, college days, some not since, even to this day. Thirteen topics were shared, discussed, and analyzed, including, and here's the curriculum, my friends, self-love, sex toys 101, anal sex 101, tantric sex 101, Oral Sex 101, Period Sex, BDSM in the Dorm Room, and Sexual Fetishes A through Z. Uh, the week-long event was organized by a student organization known as the Sexual Health Education and Advocacy throughout Harvard Group. They've been there for years. Uh, and they have hosted this Harvard Sex Week every year since 2012. And I'm just learning about it, and so are you. Uh, the Harvard Chrism... Uh, their newspaper is opposed to it. They ran an op-ed last week, quote, Recovering the Beauty of Sex. It was an anti-sex article. The renowned author and cultural critic Mary 
Eberstadt. In an email to the College Fix, another periodical, Harvard periodical, wrote, and I quote, Harvard Sex Week is corporate exploitation at its serious, sleaziest, rather. Harvard Sex Week is corporate exploitation at its sleaziest. The corporate, corporate exploitation comes into play because 20 different companies involved in sex pleasure sponsored the event. They provided all kinds of sex toys, free vibrators, anal plugs, specialized condoms, testicle stretchers, strap-ons, ankle restraints. I'm, I must be old-fashioned. My age qualifies me to be. I do not approve of such a sex week workshop on a college campus, especially one of Harvard's distinction. Uh, there are some things we learn in life. We don't need it this way in school. We're also These kids are also paying a lot of money to go to school and not take a week off to go to these uh, sex classes. And if they borrowed money, to go to school, they're crazy to spend a week of that a week of that borrowed money on this kind of stuff. That's how I feel. You may not agree. I don't know. Anyhow, that is that is our show for the week. Uh, I appreciate you joining me again. This is Louis Patron. I'm signing off, and I'm signing off from Key West, Florida. Lovely place. Come visit us, my friends. It is paradise. Uh, Enjoy the rest of your evening. I'll be with you again next week.